If you would please open your Bibles and me the book of Matthew this morning, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We start a new series on generosity called Blessed to Be a Blessing. Now, as we in these next four weeks begin to endeavor kind of this journey of generosity, really encompassing the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, I've got to remind you it's overwhelmingly from an appreciation, from a, a graciousness of seeing so many of God's people be generous to, to growing God's kingdom. It's also under the understanding that generosity is not something that God wants from us, but for us. And so in light of that divine truth, as we continue to follow the Lord, and as we continue to engage the scriptures, God is going to be gracious to give us text. We're going to have to analyze, am I being generous? Am I living this life of generosity? Am I truly blessed to be a blessing? And so that's what I want to do for the next four weeks. What are you living for? I mean, what do you spend most of your time thinking about? I mean, where do you spend most of your energy? Now, more than likely, if we're not careful, instead of pursuing our king, we'll pursue some specific thing. God graciously gives us our possessions to enjoy them by glorifying him. You see, we are saved to be king-oriented, not thing-oriented. And that is why the Bible contains 2,300 verses about money and possessions. It's everywhere throughout God's word. In fact, Jesus was constantly speaking of money. 16 of his 38 parables, he was dealing with money or possessions. 25% of all of his teaching in the Gospels is dealing with money or possessions. One out of every six verses. In fact, did you realize that Jesus spoke of money 109 times in Matthew? 57 times in Mark. 94 times in Luke. 88 times in John. Jesus spoke of money and possessions five times more than any other subject. Why? Because God owns it all, that's why. The Bible declares that everything in heaven and earth belongs to the Lord. And that God has divinely entrusted us as stewards on earth to honor him with our possessions and our abilities and our life. We are to manage his resources for his glory. So how are we doing? How are we doing as we manage? Humbly, the church in general, we need a lot of work. In fact, did you realize that Christ followers give on average 2.5% of their gross income for God's kingdom? So of all the resources and everything that God has blessed us with, only 2.5% goes of that to build God's kingdom, which means that we're using 97.5% to build our own if we're not careful. 20% of Christ followers tithe. They're adhering to the, the principle and blessing of the tithe, of giving the first things first, and thus our best to the Lord as he blesses. I'm going to be talking about the tithe in week three of this series. You do not want to miss it. Tragically, 33% of all Christ followers have never given at all. One in three of us this morning, we've never given at all to build God's kingdom. Jesus is going to tell us today from Matthew 6, do not store up for yourselves treasures on the earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And what I want to do is I want to take the greatest sermon ever given in the Sermon on the Mount, given by Christ himself as he outlines his desires for his followers to live in this world. 
how we are to develop our understanding of what we are to do with money and our possessions as we follow him. And I'm going to encourage you that followers of Jesus are to have a single-minded commitment to God's kingship and kingdom as we follow his king. Because we were blessed to be a blessing. And so I'm going to teach you from this text to lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. God has blessed us, not for us, but to be a blessing. So with that in mind, why don't we give our hearts and our minds to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. And your Bible says this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but... Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, Jesus says. So let's stop in verse 21. The principle given by our king is a fact for life. He gives here, in Christ-centered clarity, the consequences of our decision. If we desire to build treasures on the earth, they're going to go away. But if we desire to lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven, oh, the blessing can be an ending. And that is why Jesus is so pointed in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth. Pointedly here, stop. Stop treasuring up treasures for yourself on the earth. It refers here to an activity of stockpiling, a, a hoarding for selfish gain. Yourselves is what he is saying here. The sense given here in the Greek vernacular is someone who just stockpiles coins upon coins upon coins. When I was a kid, I would go home from school and my mom would be there with, you know, the greatest snack ever because that's what moms do. They have a PhD in snacks. And so my sisters and I, we would get home from school and before we'd have to do our homework and, you know, hopefully go out and play, you know, before the sun would go down, those sorts of things. We would get to watch one show as we ate our snacks. And the show that we most chose was DuckTales. And DuckTales is the adventure of, you know, these comical ducks and they go here and fro. And, but one of the central characters of DuckTales is Scrooge McDuck. And this guy loved money. It's everywhere. It's always on him. It's in his pockets. It's in his hat. He sleeps in this bed of money. It's this huge safe where he swims in money. And about every other episode, he would say this phrase, time is money, but I'd rather spend time because it's not money. That's Christ's point. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth. You see, now I'll remind you, Jesus is not speaking here against saving. It's a wise steward of the resources God has given you to have specific margins where you are saving and preparing for the future. In fact, it was Solomon who said himself in the book of Proverbs, consider the ant who stores the food. It's a wise thing. He's not also speaking against investing that you are being intentional with these resources, not just for today, but tomorrow, for years to come. That's not speaking against that. He's also not speaking about how you manage your possession specifically. So God isn't against you having animals for your enjoyment or, or clothing. He knows you need clothes. In fact, you know, there's something as Baptists we don't even have to vote on. Everyone needs clothes, lots of them. We're excited about that, right? He 
He's not specifically saying here about your cars or your properties or things acquired with Christ-centered integrity for the intent of God's purposes and his kingdom. Jesus is not talking about accumulating wealth for needs or necessities. He knows you need these things. That's why he's blessed you. But he's talking here, you ready for this? About an exuberant wealth for self-centered pleasures or luxuries. He is talking here against a stockpiling of treasures for the glory of self to treasure yourself. Why? Because you were made for a king, not a thing. That's why. And if we're not careful, the moment we give our lives to Christ, we'll forget that we were divinely transformed from one kingdom to another, from the thing kingdom, where all of life is this pursuit of some of these things, or relationships, possessions, money, anything that we think will bring us satisfaction or value. But yet the moment we give our lives to a king, not a thing, everything changes. And where once all of life was about ourselves, now all of life is about Jesus. Not our own kingdoms, but his kingdom. Now this is a radical teaching. This is controversial. Hey, we're turning the air conditioning on for a reason. It's getting hot in here, right? But this is not a new teaching by our king. In fact, did you realize that even in the Old Testament, God's people saw material wealth and possessions for what they were, a sign of God's blessing and favor in his goodness. Oh, he always gives you more than what you asked for. Haven't you noticed that? I mean, 35 years in following Christ, I can't think of an instance where I asked for something and he didn't give me more by God's grace. There's nothing wrong with that. If the intent is his kingdom and his glory, instead of our own, we have a me monster inside of us that must be slain. Or it will take you, I assure you. It is this warning given not just in the New Testament through the Sermon on the Mount, but throughout the Bible. God's people were warned that yet this blessing comes from the Lord, but be warned in accumulating wealth for wealth's sake. In fact, one of the two prominent most individuals in the entire Old Testament constantly was speaking about this, Moses and Solomon. Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses one through three to God's people, be careful to do all that God has commanded you for God and he will set you high and above, the scriptures say. But if not, then he will give you the desires of your heart and you will reap what you sow and good luck with that dividend. Solomon arguably one of the wisest men we've ever been exposed to, said in Proverbs 23, verse four, be careful, do not toil or strive to acquire wealth for wealth's sake. Why? Because treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Jesus says, do not store up your treasures on the earth because everything you own one day will be gone. Everything. In fact, you want a humbling assessment of things? I mean, just walk through your house today at lunch and just say, okay, Lord, which one of these is going with me to glory? And as you walk through your house, it gets very humbling very quickly. This table that you had to have, gone. 
These chairs that you're trying to keep upright from kids jumping all over them and everything else, gone. This couch that you're trying to provide presentable with this rug that had a match and all of these things, even this glorious flat screen TV that you watch college football on, gone. Now, the, the bacon and the chocolate in your fridge, it's all staying. It's all going with you to glory. Absolutely. Everything else, gone. And yet, if we're not careful, we'll pay such attention. We'll allow these things to have such weight in our hearts. You want to know why? Because you become what you treasure. That's why. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth. Why? Because they will not last. That's why. To treasure something means to hold it and to protect it and to pursue it at all cost. It speaks here by our king to represent an accumulation of what is valuable, what we keep because it brings value to us. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, why do you have what you have? Why? And why do you keep what you keep? Why? Warning. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth because they're going to be gone some days. And because treasures always take. Make sure your possessions do not possess you. Make sure your greatest treasure is Christ, the King, not some thing. Because it's going to be gone someday. He says, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and Steel, this is fascinating to me. You see, wealth at the time of this sermon was acquired in three primary ways. Clothing, grain, and gold. Now think about that, these perishable items here. You see, wealthy people, they they would sew golden threads into their clothes because it was in the closest proximity to them, thinking they could protect it. The problem would be that either thieves or moths would come and they would eat it even in their own sleep, gone. Homes in Palestine were made of mud. And thus treasures were easily stolen or ruined, would deteriorate due to insects and weather and thieves. In fact, you want to know what the word thief means in the New Testament? Mud digger. That's what it means. So while you were sleeping, there would be individuals that would come and they would dig underneath and they would steal all your possessions. They were thieves. Be gone just like that. You see, wealth and possessions, they are such blessings, but they can turn to curses really, really quickly without the proper perspective. Wealth and possessions are a moving target because you become what you treasure. Watch what you won't let go of because it may have a hold on you. What is it within your possessions that whoever or whatever happens to it, you take it back and say, mine, watch it. Be on guard. Do not do this, Jesus says. Stop treasuring up treasures for yourself on the earth. 
because they're going to go someday. Give your life and your best to what matters and what will last. Lay up for yourselves, Jesus says, treasures in heaven in verse 20. You see, Jesus says it's not what you have, verse 19, but it's what you're doing with what you have in verse 20. You see, you know, you know who needed to hear this the most? Were the most religious people of the day, the Pharisees, who were consumed with the pursuit and love of money. To them, to be rich was to be holy. But in stark contrast, Jesus commands his followers to amazingly make a treasure for yourselves in heaven. That the priority for disciples of Jesus, the main aim and intent of generosity is to accumulate and manage in the most bountiful way possible to manage these possessions in a way that builds God's kingdom, not our own. For a Christ follower, our greatest treasure is Jesus and all other treasures are from Jesus and for Jesus. And God gives us generosity as a means not to take from us, but to remove any idol that keeps us from him. Because he's our greatest treasure. He's the one, the Alpha, the Omega. He's the one that always satisfies. He's the one that just keeps giving because that's who he is. He's the true giver and that's the greatest giver. And all other treasures that he gives us are from him and are to be for him. It's not always the easiest thing, is it? Uh, I heard of a story of a farmer from D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, arguably one of the greatest expositors ever. And he told about a farmer from Scotland who just was going through a tough time. I mean, just weather and insects and all of these other things that plague our farmers. And so this man sold all of his possessions and bought a cow. It's his last hope, this cow. And remarkably, this cow gave birth to not one calf, but two calves the next year. And so the farmer went into his wife and said, this is amazing. Do you see what the Lord did? And in a way to represent him and to glorify him, we are going to give him one of these cows. So the wife said, sweetheart, that's wonderful. How do you know which cow is the Lord's cow? So a year went by and the farmer said, the Lord will show us. He began going through life and there were things that came, some expected, most unexpected. And one night before dinner, this farmer came home and was distraught and crushed. And his wife said, what is it? And he said, sweetheart, the Lord's cow died. The Lord's cow has died. I can't help but think of how many times in our lives when things have happened, either expected or most of them unexpected, it's always the Lord's cow that dies. You see, for a Christ follower, our greatest treasure is never a thing. It's always the king. And all of life is an exercise of that confession. An expression of that faith 
to live for what we cannot see, but trust and know to be real. The soul satisfaction and contentment never comes in something, even someone besides Christ. And so as we continue to do life for him, it is under this understanding that Jesus is our greatest treasure, that Jesus fills us up in our lives, gives us the greatest, most sustainable satisfaction, and that he also, as we live for him, he loves us too much to ever allow us to love anything else more than him. Can't you see now why generosity is so important? Can't you see now how it affects all aspects of your life and thus your faith? Generosity is not something that God wants from you, but for you. There are consequences for our treasures. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not on the earth. For the Lord says in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The heart here constitutes the cognitive part and true character of a person. Who you really are. Jesus reminds us that everyone treasures something. And then he tells us amazingly that our treasured possessions, our behaviors, our desires are directly linked to what we treasure most. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, to treasure something is to hold, protect, to pursue it at all cost. Warning, money and possessions are never neutral then. They either move you Christward or wayward. For where your treasure flows, your heart will go. And if your heart is set on Christ, then your possessions will be for Christ. Generosity is a means God uses to remove the idols from our hearts. For with every possession, we choose to become more of a worshiper of Christ or more of a worshiper of self. And the priority for his disciples are to accumulate and manage our possessions in such a way that leaves no doubt we are building God's kingdom and not our own. In fact, did you realize that the initial response of a righteous heart in the Bible is always to give back to God? I mean, this isn't just Jesus' teaching. It's always been this way for God's people. That the moment God gives something to us, we're to give back to him and praise and wonder and a life of obedience. May we be as the Christ followers that Paul explains in 1 Timothy 6.18, where he says, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. May that be us. That we don't go around life with this tight-fisted mentality of mine. But we see our possessions and our wealth is what they are. Yes. 
do with, Lord, with how you please to build your kingdom. For my life is not a pursuit of things, but the king. And the king speaks in verse 24. He brings to sudden clarity the destructive nature of our lives being devoted to another master besides him. He says in verse 24, no one can serve two masters for either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus reminds us that all of humanity is mastered by some kind of master. Some thing or a king. Now, I'll remind you too that these are two radically different masters. I mean, if we're going to give our hearts to building treasures on the earth and some things, there are consequences for that lifestyle. But if we give our life to a king, oh, the endless, unbridled joy and riches that come to us because of Christ. You see, one of these masters commands you to walk by faith. The other demands you live by sight. One calls you to be humble, lowly. The other one says, exalt yourself. One aims to set your mind on things above. The other anchors your mind on what is below. Jesus says no one can serve two masters. The French theologian John Calvin was right where he says, where riches hold the dominion of the heart, God loses his authority. If Jesus is not Lord of it all, then he's not Lord at all. You cannot serve two masters. The word masters here is fascinating in verse 24. It means one who has total control. One who owns everything. All of humanity is mastered by something or someone. No exceptions. No one escapes their heart being mastered. So which one is it? Some thing or some one. Jesus spells it out at the end of verse 24 when he says you cannot serve God and money. You see, Jesus uses a very general term here for money. It it encompasses possessions and property and wealth. Things is his point. His principle here is not about affluence, but idolatry. Jesus is not saying money and possessions are evil. They're a good thing. They're given to us by God, who is good as we build his kingdom. Jesus isn't saying that money is evil. Possessions are evil. He's saying they're just terrible masters. That's what's his point. So what you do with your money and resources reveal what you love most, what you trust in most, and what kingdom you are living for. And that is why Jesus is so adamant. That is why Jesus uses this powerful word, serve, to simply treasure something that you align your entire life to obtain it or to be controlled by it is what this word means. 
And that is why what we do with our money is so critical to Jesus because money cannot be managed until it has been mastered. No one can serve two masters. Which one are you serving? Do you find your money and possessions are serving Christ and his kingdom through you? Or are they controlling you? Generosity is the means in which God uses to remove these idols from our heart. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. For salvation that does not impact the use of one's money and possessions at all is not genuine salvation. If Jesus is king, he's king over it all. Now, I don't know about you, but I hear this teaching and immediately there's just this wrestling within my own heart, this observation of, of all that God has entrusted me and my family with. And immediately it's like, help, Lord, we need your wisdom and your counsel. We, we need God, your discernment on what you've blessed us with. Is this really about Jesus or is this about us? And so what I wanna do is I wanna give you three areas by introducing three specific areas and three questions that you can begin to discern that reality of how you are laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And they do in three areas that we all deal with. Spending, saving, and giving. Ask yourself these questions and then put yourself in which category? One of three. And then as you leave here, in light of what Christ has said, is this laying up treasures on earth? Or is this laying up treasures in heaven? First, spending. The spending in my life is careless, careful, or purposeful. I mean, if you do an assessment of all the resources that God has blessed you with. And you say, okay, wait a minute. So what percentage of these resources am I just spending? And then what am I spending it on? You see, so many of us, we're not open to even having the potential to live a life of faith or to trust the Lord because we're too busy spending his resources on other stuff. We've never even proactively and intentionally run them through the filter. Is this about the king or is this about me? Is this bringing fame to the glory of Jesus or is this feeding the me monster? We've got to run it through this filter. We just carelessly spend. And oh, what a time to, to bring back into alignment, to assess and say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to spend this week on this, this, and this. Those things aren't needs, they're wants. It's about me. I can hold off on those things. Uh, some of us are on the opposite side of that spectrum. We're too careful and we're, we're frugal. We're not generous people. You know, if we're not careful, we'll see that as kind of this vice of admiration and of righteousness. And I gotta tell you, that's the complete antithesis of God. God is a radically generous God. He's not frugal in his blessings or his mercy or his grace towards us. Praise God. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a household where 
we would go out to, to eat, you know, once a week, a couple times a month. And, you know, I mean, there was a couple of pizza places that we really loved where I grew up in Oklahoma. And there was a Tex-Mex place in Norman that, man, they had the best guacamole in Oklahoma. And so, you know, my mom really loved eating there. So we would go there. And, and man, regardless of what restaurant we went to, you could order food, but you're getting water. Don't ask for a Coke or a Dr. Pepper. It's water. You can drink water. I give it. In fact, I had a buddy. His dad was so frugal. Even on his birthday, they went to a restaurant. He got a large water, all right? God has blessed us to be a blessing. God has given us these things to enjoy. And in enjoying, glorifying him. And so God has entrusted you in your spending. Some of us, it's careless. We evaluate this. We need to give it to the Lord. And we, we are overspending on some things we don't need. Some of us were too frugal. It's okay to get a Coke for the glory of Christ sometimes. It's okay to put some extra bacon on your cheeseburger, all right? Enjoy it. Ah, but is your spending purposeful? Does it show a determination and a resolve? Before I spend it, can I send it? God, you've given me this dollar for your glory. Before I spend it on whatever this is, can I send it to build your kingdom and your glory? Number two, saving. Is a saving in my life non-existent? Is it formulaic or is it strategic? You see, if we're not careful, we'll allow this lifestyle and these behaviors, even though we know better, to keep going. And so where God owns everything and God entrusts us as stewards and where it is wise, remember what Solomon said in Proverbs, and consider the ant who stores the food for later. It's a wise thing to steward our possessions, to put back savings for things that come up. Once in a century pandemics, flat tires, engines blowing, dental care. It's just gonna happen. It's wise to do these things. Some of us, it's non-existent. It's just not part of our normal rhythms. We are spending it and sending it before we had ever even consider saving it. But some of us in this room, our saving is formulaic. We love the algorithms. We love the Excel sheets. And the only problem with that is that who's king over the Excel sheet? What if the king tells you to change the algorithm? Are we trusting him with all things? Is our giving formulaic or is it strategic? Do we have within the confines of our home a robust theology of generosity? A confidence, yes, in saving and investing, but also a dependence upon the trusting of the Lord. He will provide for his people. He will meet their needs in Christ Jesus. And so, whatever percentage is over these savings, we're going to give it. We're going to give it away to grow God's kingdom as he blesses us. Which category are you in? You were blessed to be a blessing. Finally, is our giving. Is our giving conditional? Is it mechanical? Or is it transformational? You see, the problem with conditional giving is, is that Jesus says in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also that our most treasured possessions and behaviors and desires are due directly linked to what we treasure most. And so are we treasuring the king or things? 
And does our giving match the theology of what we believe? Is your giving based upon what you do or what God has already done through Jesus Christ? Is your giving upon better or what God gives you as opposed to what he's already given you in Christ? I have found in my posture with the Lord, he never blesses when I come to him like this. It is always when I am open to his leading and to his will that I found my greatest blessing because he's our greatest treasure. You see, some of us here, our giving isn't just conditional, it's mechanical. We've done the same thing for so long. We have gotten caught up and really good at what we do and we've never asked why we're doing it. Why? Our giving, yes, may be mechanical, but is it sacrificial? You see, if we're not careful, we will reprogram our lives in such a way where we don't even need God anymore. Because we've built in these natural, safe barriers. And the very thing that was once wise stewardship is now actually keeping us from having God's blessing. Because we've given our lives to an algorithm or a bank account or some other means as opposed to genuinely trusting the Lord and being transformational in our giving. Living and giving in such a way with the intent to transform not only us, but those around us. You see, it's wise. Wise to set your budget in a zero-based budget and then adjust accordingly to your priorities. But I'll remind you the biblical model is not zero, but a hundred. God owns it all. And he entrusts us to manage and to steward what he has blessed us with to build his kingdom. And as you evaluate your stewardship, which kingdom are we building? The thing or the king? As we walk through this journey together, may God give wisdom and discernment and blessing only as he can. Because I assure you, his intent is to remind you that you have been blessed to be a blessing. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven.